Hey, this is Shamina. This is the Two Quick Things podcast. Thanks for all the folks who listened to my My Taught You Gems podcast. Uh, shout out to my leak for posting it on her Instagram. Got a ton of new followers and lots of listens. So I appreciate that. I'm going to keep things the same uh, in terms of the show. I'm not, <laughs> the fame hasn't changed me. It was one episode. Um, but I just wanted to shout out the folks who took the time to listen. I didn't even realize how emotional I got until I heard it on her Instagram story. And then I was like, ooh. And it's been kind of cool to see the numbers jump and hike pretty high. So there's that. Anywho, moving into the regular contents of the episodes that I do. So this is another, I've got, actually got two quick things for this episode, and one of them is a stem off from the retreat of something that I learned about myself that I didn't realize until I got back, and that was um, being in a space where there were women of all shapes, sizes, um, skin tones, oily, dry, whatever the case may be, um, and how comfortable everyone seemed to be. I can't say if people were or were not, but how comfortable everybody seemed to be in their body and in their skin. And I realized how, after I got back, there I was fine. After I got back, I started to pay attention to and be more aware of how uncomfortable I am with showing parts of my body, if that makes sense. I mean, I have a few notes that I, I'll probably go over. But when I got back, it was maybe like a few days later or a week later, I was going to the store. And it's it's cold in the Bay Area, so there's take that with a grain of salt. That's a bit of what I'm going to say next. But then I realized how prevalent it was in other areas. But I realized, you know how when you go to therapy, and if you haven't been to therapy, if you ever go, some of your childhood shit will come up. So this is one of those moments. I realized how my view of my body and my unconscious choice to cover it up all the time had been shaped from when I developed quickly as a girl. So maybe like nine or 10, I started to have like a butt and boobs and a small waist. And I didn't realize how much now I'm in that, that influenced me of getting that unwanted, unsolicited attention. And it really started, it made me start to cover up I probably, if I think real hard, probably in high school, I started to do it more because boys and men would catcall, say um, inappropriate things, yelling at me down the street or at school. Um, I had a boy who always used to try to uh, uh, hit my butt or like squeeze my boob, really inappropriate. And I realized over time, I started to cover up my body more and more to try to avoid that attention. And I'm just you know, at this ripe age, about to hit 40, starting to realize I've been covering up for so long. And what have I been covering up? These messages that used to say, like, your body is too much. It's objectified. And it started to sink into me. And I've, I've read some on the sexualization of black girls. And there's been quite a bit of things in the media of uh, law enforcement or politicians or everyday people seeing black girls who may have developed more in some areas and sooner than other um, girls of other races and how they are perceived to be fast or more womanly because they have boobs or because they have a butt or thighs. 
and really shaming those girls into covering up and saying that the attention they they they're seeking attention based on what they wear simply based on the fact that their body is moving at a different its own pace to be honest and so i didn't realize how subconsciously i was working so hard to hide my body so and that was all parts of my body like my I love a long sleeve. I love a pant. Um, like it's like almost like full head to toe. I wear a hat if the weather calls for it, which it does often here because it's cold, um, even in May. And I didn't really start to apply that until I was there, and I was like, wow, people either are or they're faking it real good so that I so that I cannot tell, or they they're genuinely comfortable in their body. And I realized how oh, this is uncomfortable. For me, uh, no tears this time, I don't think, but to think about how uncomfortable I feel in my body. And you know what the gag is? I actually have a nice body. Like, I don't work out for nothing. I work out because it helps me with attention so I don't hit people at work um, or in the real world. But really, I work out because I, I also like the feeling of working out. I like my, my, that my body feels stronger. So the gag is I have a nice body. So that's not the thing. Um, I'm curvy and we're, you know, in the places that I can appreciate, um, working on the places that I don't necessarily love, but I'm also aware of the attention that my body gets from the looks, the questions, the touches. Um, I have been in more than enough places where people felt it like, and this was in like the last like four or five years where people felt like they, they could touch my body without my permission and try to give it praise or like, mm-hmm, I see you. And it's, and then I, I then have to become an advocate for myself and stop the touch, share with them why it's not okay. And it's forced me to be abrasive in that way. And I don't want to, but the way that people, um, in high key, it's been white gay men. Let me, I'm just going to tell the truth who are like, okay, sis, I see you. And I'm like, first of all, you are not my sister, E R or A H. Um, but you, because we're in the same establishment doesn't mean that you have the ability to just touch me. That's not a thing. We're not going to do that. So it's been, I've been paying attention more to that and, and why I'm doing it and the times where I feel like I need to cover up since coming back from the retreat and wanting to really think about like how I present myself physically in the clothes that I choose to wear and why am I choosing to wear that um, it's just been, there's no answer to the end of that, but it's just been an interesting experience to, um, basically inhabit, um, what some might call a bigger body, but I'm, I'm not that big of a body. So I've, I certainly know bodies that are bigger than mine. Um, but it feels like I have a big body because it, it gets paid attention to in a way that I don't appreciate or care for. Um, but that, that sexualization of black girls has hit me some 30, 30 some odd years later, I'm still carrying the baggage of that. And, um, I don't have a poor image of my body, but I'm so aware of it and that I want to keep the attention away. So I'm, I'm subconsciously and now consciously probably responding to that trauma of being harassed on the street or whatever the case, whatever you want to call it, um, from my youth. So, it's, it's just an interesting thing that I'm trying to work through and be more cognizant of as I purchase clothes or as I purge and get rid of clothing, which I did a whole uh, purge of clothing when I got back from the retreat. I'm not, I, I was feeling open. So I've, I've been more aware of, am I buying these clothes to cover up my body? And what is that about? Or do I actually like the outfit or the pants or the shirt? So that's just another thing that I've picked up around like being in my body. 
So that, that has been a new experience and a new thought pattern for me. The second thing that I am going to talk about, um, and this is like when I finally write a book of the shit that I have been through in life as it re regards to race, and it hasn't even been a fraction of what other people have experienced. So let me, um, but that doesn't make it any less impactful and any less important. But Mike Leake said one of, one of the things that she said during the retreat, so maybe this is a, a GM's 2.0, um, she, I'm going to paraphrase uh, this and said, she was responding to someone's question and they said, how do I kind of engage when people who have invited me into the room and then they expect me to change, basically expect me to change and like conform to what they want and typically conform to white people. And so she says, you were invited into the, to the room for a reason and it is the other person's job to try to figure out how to work with you. And that. I wrote that down. I have um, been thinking about that and applying it to the work that I have previously done and the work that I'm doing now and really taking to heart that I am, I'm over, um, it's, a, it's a work in progress, but I'm over bending and molding to make other people, typically white people, comfortable to who I am. Because you're going to get all of this, Shamina, here. What you're going to get is all of it. And it's going to be presented in a package that feels comfortable and authentic to me. And you're going to have to feel, feel your way through that or work your way through that, however you want to call it. And a few other things on race. Um, I need people to know um, who are not black. Let's just go ahead and let me speak from my, my own experience that I may not be constantly talking about race and black folks may not be constantly talking about race, but every move and every decision we make typically is from the lens of being black. That's just, there's no really way around that. Um, but honor and respect where people are come from. And another thing is believe black folks. Again, I will speak from my lens as a black person. Believe us when we say that you have hurt our feelings from a racial perspective. So I can't even go into detail about that other thing. One day I will, but it's, it's a little too soon right now. But believe us when we say that you have heard us from a racial perspective. And here's, here's two things not to do, or maybe it's one thing. Don't ask another person of color if what you said was hurtful or what you did was hurtful because it invalidates my pain and it's meant to be either overtly or covertly divisive. And it's, it's insulting. Do not ask somebody how what you said, was it painful? I told you it was painful, and that's enough. I'm getting loud. Sorry, you'll have to probably turn the volume down on that little part. But what I said was enough. My pain is valid as it exists, period. I do not need anybody to co-sign on my pain, and don't insult me or try to pit somebody else against me because they may not have experienced what my pain has felt like because they are not me, point blank, period. So um, if you know me in real life, you know there's an experience that led to that uh, very tiny read. But don't do that, uh, non-black folks and white people. Don't uh, question how my pain may have hit somebody else. The pain that you caused, how that may have hit somebody else. It's insulting, and I do not like to be insulted. Um, and here's a few things for white folks that you probably don't even think about. This may be other folks of color as well, but let me just speak on the, I'm going to go ahead and be binary and dichotomous in this approach, um, and see this right now on today as a black and a white thing. 
here's some things that you should think about and realize that you that I experience and go through in terms of mental gymnastics that you may not. Um, and I say may not because I can't say you don't, but chances are you probably don't. When I walk into an establishment um, and I, in, in the Bay Area, you got to pay for bags. So I don't really like to pay for bags, especially if I'm just buying one thing, one item of clothing or one something from the grocery store. I will always hold out on public display my receipt after purchasing that thing. Even if I saw the check, if I go through the self-checkout thing or if I check out with somebody with an actual person, I will always hold the receipt up as I leave because I realize that I cannot put things in my pocket because I may be the next person that gets shot and killed in a grocery store, in a department store or arrested or pulled off to the side for whatever reason. I always do that. Sometimes I slip up and I was like, maybe the other day I went to go buy a jean jacket and I put something, I was going to put the receipt in the pocket of the jacket before I walked out. And I was like, wait a minute, girl, you're black. You cannot do that because you want to live. So that's one thing that you probably don't think about as a white person. You may just go ahead and shove the stuff in your purse or your bag before you even walk out the store. I don't have the luxury of knowing what that feels like because I've seen too many black folks killed for something as simple as taking the thing that you have paid for and putting it in your bag before you leave. Um, I also leave establishments. The, mo the absolute moment I become aware that there are extra eyes on me or that someone is following or something feels off. You know when you have that energy and you're like, something ain't right about it, this in here, so I'm going to leave. I'm not a person who will stay. I will leave. And if I see you walking behind me for no reason, I may ask you, is there something that you need? And then I will announce... I don't like being followed, so I'm going to go ahead and leave. I'm going to say that out loud, so good, bad, and different, so that there's somebody's a witness to that. The last thing that I will say that you, that white folks or other non-black people of color may experience, anytime I'm getting ready to make travel plans, my first thought before how much does it cost, where we're going, is I have to find some place where I feel like I can be safe as a black and out gay person automatically. Those are that's those are non-negotiables. If I feel if I read something online or if I hear somebody say something on a podcast or a TV show or whatever that calls into question that, I'm not going. You can go ahead and mark that off the list for life because I'm gonna go ahead and choose life over that. So my body and my race. Two things that one of the which I'm learning about, the other which I have uh, I am developing a more fierce passion around what that means and how that shows up in the world. All right, let me go ahead and jump. This is a long one. Let me go ahead and jump to the podcast. I don't have a book. I'm still reading The, the Alchemist. And by reading, I'm listening to the audiobook um, on 1.5 speed because it's, it's too slow at just a regular speed. And it has, child, when I tell you it's helping me identify my purpose, whew, I can't even get into it because I'm not done with it, but I'm loving it. And I will engage at some point with the folks from the Maitachi Retreat who also got the book and are reading it. I just am not done. Um, so I'll respond to the Facebook message soon. So podcasts, there are two of them. They are episodes because I'm not terribly far into the podcast. So one is Choose FI, Choose Five, Financial Independence. That's the five part. Episode 112 with Nasima, um, who I mentioned in the last episode, but she was at the Maitachi Retreat. Um, she has a blog and a group called Financially Intentional. And that episode, episode 112, I will put it in the show notes. When I tell you I listened to that three times and I'm over here paying my little extra to my credit card um, already today, um, 
such a great episode, such a great story, and Nassim is just great. So there's that. It, it's such a good and real episode, and I have sent it to um, some of my family. I made wife listen to it. So good. Really good. Um, and the other one is Rants and Randomness, uh, which I do listen to all the time with Lovey Ajayi. Um, episode 29 specifically, because that's the most recent one I'm behind, but that's the most recent one I listened to. It was called, it's titled Own Your Character with Thesunda Brown Duckett, and she is at a high-level executive C-suite position at Chase. I don't remember which one. But the thing that hit me in that episode, and by hit me, it smacked me upside my head, and I had to listen to it twice. She talks about the concept of diversifying your time in a similar manner of how you diversify your money and that your portfolio ha is it equals to 100%, right? And I'm not going to explain it as well, but I will link it in the – I will share the title of the episode in there and give credit where credit is due. Um, you have 100% of a portfolio, but when you allocate so much – you can only allocate so much time to each thing. So if you allocate 30% of your time and your energy goes to work, but when you're at work – that 30% of your time, you give 100% of your energy and your effort. And then you have to adjust those percentages over time, much like you would adjust your financial portfolio or where your money goes and how you allocate your time and reallocate your time. And when I tell you my mind was blown and it kind of, it helps, it's helping to reshape how I experience showing up at work and feeling like I can bring some of the pressure off of feeling like I need to do work all the time, even when I'm not in the physical workspace, because that's not always what it calls for. If I am intentional in giving my time and energy while I am at work to work and eliminating, if not minimizing, if not eliminating those distractions that pull me away from being 100% available for work at work, it was just the way that she said it was so, it was so plain and it was so simple. And I really connected to that. And I've sent that one to a few folks as well. So that is it for me right now. Thanks for listening. If you've made it thus far, appreciate it. Um, if you have questions or anything, of course, you can slide into my DMs if you want to. If you don't, if you enjoy the episode, great. If not, keep listening. You'll find one that you enjoy. Um, you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Two Quick Things. Feel free to share it, shout me out, etc. Um, I guess if you want to like rate or leave a comment on um, what is that Apple Podcast, uh, that would be great. Um, I'm also a person. I'm like I don't necessarily need that. I'm gonna keep doing the show anyway because I feel like it's gonna hit somebody at some other point. So thanks for listening, and I will catch y'all next week. Thank you.